receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Let's sing hymn number 546, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. chapter 3, and if you're able, stand with me as, uh, as we read. This will be the whole chapter, so don't feel like you have to stand if you have physical problems with that. Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. 
He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews, whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I have made? Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. 
Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful uh, demonstration of the faith and the courage of these three children. We pray, Lord, that you help us likewise to serve you with courage and faith in, uh, in these days. We pray, Lord, your blessing on the service. Bless Pastor Miller as he comes to bring the word to us. Uh, speak to our hearts, encourage us, convict us. And, Lord, we pray that you would do uh, your will, accomplish your plan and purpose in each of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. I entitled this message, Standing Strong When the Government Goes Bad. Uh, over the uh, past few days and past few weeks, uh, I have visited and chatted with different those of our church family and some others that have tried to make an impact in uh, some of the local governing bodies. And one of the great challenges is we're seeing responsive hostility from those that disagree with biblical truth and godly influence. And this can get to be a little bit wearisome. It can make it kind of difficult to be a godly influence in, in what we're trying to do and, and trying to have and trying to preserve our country for what it is. Uh, and so I chose to, uh, instead of preaching from the Gospel of John on the life of Christ as I had planned in the series, to take this morning and preach a message 
that encourages godly people not only to stand for what's right, but to know why we do and how we should do that. And I believe we can learn a great lesson. I know this was a rather lengthy scripture reading, and I contemplated how can we just read a part of it, but how do you read a part of it and know the whole context of this passage? And so we have all of this. Do understand this as I begin. Historically, governments have rarely practiced favorability to the child of God. America's Judeo-Christian roots and heritage and influence in our government, quite frankly, is an anomaly. You look at all of created history, whether it be through the Old Testament times, as we have recorded here in Daniel chapter 3, the New Testament times, the the life and times of Christ, and then the apostles, and and the beginning of the church, and and then all through the approximately 2,000 years of the church era. For the most part, governments have not been friendly to Christianity or to the children of God. We we have a very, uh, very glorious heritage. Now, I'm not saying everything about America has been good and godly. And I'm not saying that everybody that has led or been a part of America has been good and godly. But we were founded upon laws and governing principles that were rooted in biblical truths that made a government friendly to Christianity and that has changed this message is not about our country being a constitutional republic and to understand we're not a democracy this is not about our constitutional rights and responsibility to influence our governing bodies whether it be for good and for right and I know the US Constitution places serious responsibilities upon its citizens of what to do when the government fails from being what it was intended to be. That's not what this is about. All of that is true and right. That would be for another time. This message is about the important truth. How should we as Christians behave when evil persons prevail in government with evil laws? How do we uh, behave? It is important for what we're doing and why we're standing. And so I want to encourage you with three important truths that I have learned and reaped from Daniel chapter 3. I think first, we must establish our purpose in life. Whether it was an Old Testament child of God like these three Hebrew children, or whether it be uh, a 21st century Christian, I believe we must establish and identify our purpose in life, and especially as a child of God. For us, it is identified in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. It says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And then in chapter 7, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians, we are commanded to serve God and not serve men. 
In chapter 10 and verse 31 of the same book, it says that no matter whatever we do, whatsoever you do, therefore glorify God. And so I believe one of the prevailing foundational purposes for you and I as a believer is to glorify God. In everything that we believe, and everything that we do, and, and in how we do that, in our demeanor, in our presentation, we have a great responsibility to glorify God. Let me tell you why. It's because Jesus Christ, through His shed blood on Calvary, His burial and resurrection... He has purchased our pardon from sin's penalty. We understand that without Christ, we are lost, we are sinners, we are under God's condemnation, we will be the object of God's wrath because we are sinners without Christ. And we have no hope, we have no recourse. The Bible is very clear in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, and Titus 3, 5, that we cannot work to earn our salvation. We cannot become good enough to become acceptable to God. That's simply an impossibility. And so there's no way we can buy, we can earn, or we can achieve salvation and deliverance from the penalty of sin. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't just simply wink and, and brush away our sin by forgiveness because we, we repent of our sin. Our sin was duly and justly paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. And then a pardon is offered to whosoever will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and who will come by repenting of their sin and putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, that's a big gift that God has given. You often hear of how through a heroic effort, somebody delivers another person from a serious crisis that would have caused their death. Whether it was a, a, a calamity with an animal, whether it was a, a, an automobile accident, whether it was a house of fire, or, or whether it was in the midst of a criminal event, Somebody risks their lives and even gives their life so that they might be preserved alive. They will spend the rest of their life willingly indebted to the one that saved their life. Nobody has to tell them to do that. Nobody has to write an edict, this is how you ought to behave. For most, that's just the compulsion of their heart. My friend, how much more has Jesus Christ done for us, not only about a matter of mortal life, but eternal life versus eternal punishment? And how much more am I willingly and desiringly and enjoyingly indebted to Jesus Christ who purchased my redemption? who purchased my home in heaven and purchased my pardon from, from the, the consequences of sin and the penalty of sin, how much more am I indebted to Jesus Christ so much so that I willingly and desiringly and without an edict, and, and this doesn't have to be a command to make me want to do that. Out of all of the years that my wife and I have been together, 
The Bible commands husbands love your wives, but I didn't need that command to love my wife. I love her anyway. And so much so, the same principle is true here. The Bible doesn't have to command me to glorify God, even though it does. But my heart's desire, because of what he has done, is that I want to glorify Jesus Christ. And those two are brought together. You cannot put a price, you cannot put a value on that great gift. If you could, you could probably buy it, but you can't. Not only that, but through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death, Christ has delivered us from the bondage of sin in this mortal life. How many a men and women who have been enslaved to sin in their life that could never get victory over it until they came to Jesus Christ as their Savior? Sin is a horrible taskmaster. And being a slave to sin is a horrible life. Oh, it may provide its pleasures and it may provide its delights. But when it's all said and done, It is a miserable life to be enslaved to sin. And God has delivered me from the bondage of sin, and I can choose. He gives us freedom, He gives us liberty, and He has given me the liberty to be able to choose to do right and to walk with Him and serve Him. And so because of the great work that Jesus Christ has done, as a child of God, I both willingly and with great delight choose to serve him, obey him, and glorify my God with my body, my spirit, and everything about my life. And so, and, and I should not be an anomaly to a Christian. I should just be the average Christian. This should just be the normal Christian life. And because this is our purpose... And this is our desire. And, and we also understand in the midst of this, we cannot serve two masters. Just like these three Hebrew children, they could not serve God and serve the pagan God. You can't do it. The Bible goes on to say, for either you will love the one and hate the other, or hold to one and re- reject the other. The, it just doesn't work. It, it's not compatible. We also understand what James said in James chapter 4, verse 4, that friendship with this world is enmity with God. We live to be acceptable to God, not acceptable to the world. Our mission is not to make God acceptable to this world, but to give the gospel message that through salvation they can be made accepted to the beloved. That's our desire. That's our purpose. So the question is, how do we know what is right and wrong in these matters of life, of when to stand and what to stand for? How do we know? Well, the Baptist principle down through the ages and the history is this. Everything we believe and everything we practice must be determined by the unchangeable Word of God. It is not determined by some leader of religion. It is not determined by a committee of religious leaders. 
what we believe is right and what we believe is wrong must be determined by the word of God. How we live and how we ought not to live must be determined by the word of God because it's unchangeable. We ought not to go off on just whims of opinion and preference and, and uh, personalities. We must stand strong on the word of God as the basis of what we believe and what we practice. And when we try to be an influence with our communities and with our governing bodies, it must be based on what God's word has determined for what we believe. That is the basis you will find that the three Hebrew men's conviction were determined by God's word. When, they, when you come here in Daniel chapter 3, they simply did not bow. They didn't have a prayer meeting or a committee meeting to decide, should we bow, should we not bow? You know, there's some things you simply don't need to pray about. You don't need to pray about obeying God's word. It's always right. It's never wrong. It's always, I don't know if the term in vogue or whatever, but it's always the right thing. We don't have to step back and wonder if we should or should not. I learned this a long time ago, and I've passed it on. Let the Bible determine your convictions and principles, and then let your convictions and principles make the decisions of life. And they'll always be the same. No matter what comes along, no matter who comes along, if you let the Bible determine your convictions and the principles of life, then your answer will always be unchangeable, and it will always be the same. Turn back, if you would, to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and here we find the Word of God that governed the decision and the choice of these three Hebrew men. In Exodus chapter 20, here we have the record of the moral law, the Ten Commandments of right and wrong that was given. Beginning with verse 3, God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. There's not a clause in there unless the king says otherwise. Or unless you need to impress a girlfriend or boyfriend. Or unless... You need to keep a good-paying job. There's no clause like that in there. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then it continues through. And in verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. And you'll find in those three verses, God's command, God's word, that determined their decision when they were faced with this issue. And so we find in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, you see, they weren't making this decision based upon knowing what really was going to happen. At this point, they had no idea that God was going to spare their life through the fire and that it would not even touch them they wouldn't even smell like that they made the decision understanding that it's fully possible that they would die in the fiery furnace but if not be it known unto thee O king that we will not serve there's that word out of exodus thy gods nor worship 
There again is the same principle out of Exodus. Worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So we see that their decision of what to do was determined by God's word. So as a child of God, we believe our purpose in life is to glorify God, serve him, and worship the one true God. And the principles of what we believe and how we practice what we believe must be determined by the word of God. And so as we face the challenges and the issues of life today, this still must be foundational as to why we stand for what we stand, why we lobby for what we lobby, why we uh, influence the way we influence. It must be determined by the word of God so that we may glorify our God. Next, as a child of God, we must understand that our purpose in life will be tested by this world. Our faith will be tested. Our obedience will be tested. And quite frankly, those two words, obedient and faith, really go together. It's not real faith unless you obey. And sometimes obedience, real obedience, takes real faith. Those two go together. And it is demonstrated here, their faith, their obedience, was going to be tested by this world. Know that it will be tested by evils within government. It was the king that made this law. Nebuchadnezzar and all of his pride and all of his arrogance and, and, and all of that, he makes this gigantic uh, uh, image and he commands all the people to come and to worship and to bow down and to serve it. It was a government-ordained law. Now, we do understand, according to Romans 13.1 and also in one of the epistles of Peter, we are to honor the government. We do know that God ordained government. And because God ordained government, he ordained it that we should honor it as well. But here's the reality. God ordained government. That's how it's recorded in the Bible and instituted. What we see is how sin has corrupted government. You see the same problem with humanity. God created humanity in purity, but sin has corrupted humanity. We see government and defined government and encouraged and exhorted about government in the Bible as God would define government, but we see and have to experience government as sin has corrupted it. And a lot of people are very quick to, to quote Romans 13.1, but they never go on to Romans 13.3 and 4, where it tells us that government was ordained of God to punish evil and to reward good. So the problem is, when the government calls evil good and good evil, we have a real conflict. Just as these three in Daniel chapter 3 and just as the apostles had in Acts chapter 4, there was a conflict. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 19, as the apostles were, were beaten and confronted and told that they could no longer preach in the name of Jesus Christ and uh, turned loose, their response was this in verses 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. 
when we have to choose between obeying government and obeying God, yes, we must obey God. Now, folks, we're not trying to be defiant. We are not wanting to be disorderly. We simply want to faithfully obey God. If evil leaders and evil governments would understand the value of of true godly Christians, they would do everything they could to accommodate their faith. You see, if there was more church houses that preached godliness and less bar houses and country clubs, there would be more righteousness and less evil. We would need less prisons. We wouldn't have to have things behind bars at our local retailers. We wouldn't have judges and courtrooms that are overworked. We really don't want to be defiant. We do not want to disobey. We want to be good, godly, profitable citizens to our country. But when the defining line comes, we simply must obey God rather than government when there's a conflict. Because it was my Jesus Christ who paid my sin penalty and has given me a home in heaven, not my government. And so my greater loyalty is to Jesus Christ. And so we understand that. And and so... Our faith will be tested by the evils within government. Then we will be tested by the pressures within ourselves. And this may be one of the tougher pressures we have to deal with. And what I mean by within ourselves, you see, when the instruments blew and the three uh, Hebrew children were were commanded to bow down, do you know what they could have kind of got together and said, you know, let's just bow down and pretend we're worshiping Inside we know that we don't believe it's a God and we're not worshiping the God and we're not serving the God. And, and, but we save our lives and, and we just live happily ever after in this community of evil and wickedness. You know what? If what you believe as a Christian isn't worth dying for, then it isn't worth living for. Our Christian, if if your Christian life is nothing more than a charade, then you've got a spiritual problem. But I will tell you this, you and I will be tempted to get along. You and I will be tempted within to take the easy route. You and I will be tempted to go silent. But all evil men need to succeed is for good and godly people to do nothing and be silent. Had these three men chose this route, they would have forfeited a great testimony for God. Our testimony is not only a private testimony to our God, but a public testimony for our God. This may be the greatest test each of us will face. Will you be true to God regardless? And then thirdly, we will be tested by our peers and community. It was the people of the community that really made it an issue. 
The king would not have probably known about it with all of the people out there. He probably would not have known about it. And it would have never been an issue. But understand, it will be the people in the community, the people that are next to you, the people that are observing your life, that disagree with you. They're the ones that will force the issue. They will show their spite towards you. They will show their hostility to you. And we need to be able to deal with that. They will despise your stand for God, and they will endeavor to destroy your life as well. Remember, the light of your life exposes the evil of their darkness. And typically, they will hate you for it. So as a child of God, when you have a purpose and a faith for life, as determined by God's word, your faith will be tested. The third lesson I read from this record in Daniel 3 is how we practice our faith is just as important as what we believe. Our purpose and faith is determined by the word of God, and we will be tested. But how do we respond? First, we see they were respectful but firm in their response, verses 16 through 18. When it says we are not careful, it is a Hebrew statement and an Old Testament statement of we are speaking respectfully and we are speaking honorably to the king. Our faith, when our faith is tested, the test will reveal our spirit within. These three men had no legal recourse. They had no constitutional rights. They had no court to go through. And there may be times in our lives to where all of what we think we should have may not be there and we still have to stand and move forward. But we must do it in a godly way and in a gracious way because how we stand for what's right will be as big a testimony as to what we stand for and who we stand for. What I learned from New Testament passages in this is I must stand true to my God as determined by the Bible and be willing to face the consequences with the right spirit within. We talk about passages like Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your bodies a living sacrifice, but when sacrifice comes, our spirit changes. We can read such passages as Philippians 10 where Paul said that I may know the fellowship of his sufferings. And we can honor them. We can read such passages as uh, Acts chapter 5 verse 40 through 42 where, where the apostles after having been beaten, that's 39 lashes. 40 was the recommended. They always backed off of one because if they exceeded the 40, they were in trouble. We're talking about 39 lashes. They were beaten and they were turned out and told not to preach in Christ. And they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. What's our attitude when we're attacked, when we're slandered, or when we face hostile opposition? Do we maintain the spirit that is displayed in the Bible. As I said, we must not only be willing to stand for God and His truth, but we must do so with the right spirit. Because 
we can stand for all of the right things and for the right person, but if we do it with the wrong spirit, the latter could bring a greater reproach than any glory the former would bring. And since our goal is to glorify God, it is not only important what we stand for, but how we stand. We live in a constitutional republic. And as I said, not a democracy. We are supposed to be a nation ruled by the good and godly laws of the land. A government wherein the elected officials are to be the servants of the people and not the people enslaved to tyrannical leaders. We are supposed to have the right and the responsibility to peacefully ensure that our government and our laws remain what they were originally intended to be. To be a verbal and a voting influence. However, evil men and women have coerced their way into control of governing bodies. While they were advocates for tolerance and peace, they are neither peaceful nor tolerant of anyone who disagrees with them. So in light of our current political environment and the challenges that faces you and I as Christians, this is what I want to encourage every child of God with. Know what you believe about God, the Bible, and righteous living, and why you believe it. Because this is crucial moving forward. Be prepared to have your faith tested and your spirit within revealed. And make sure we stand true and make sure we have the right spirit in how we respond. Be ready to face the consequences, whether they're good or bad, for remaining true and faithful so that we may glorify our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am not denying citizenship responsibility, nor am I promoting pacifism. But we must know what we stand for, why we stand. And we must stand in a way to glorify our God through the whole process and not even let our spirit become a reproach and be ready to face whatever consequences that may come. You see, Stephen took a stand just like these three men did, but he was stoned to death. God has a purpose in each person's life and through each person's death. It was through Stephen's death that Paul came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, who was Saul. Paul was maliciously arrested, slandered, and accused of false things, and ended up being executed. John Bunyan of yesteryear, he was preaching without a license by the governing board. And they said, all you have to, we, we're not, today we're not going to control what you preach. We just want you to have a license. But he understood that for them to license would control his preaching. And he refused to sign and take the license. 
In fact, all those years he, or time that he was in jail, he told the jailer, he says, if I become delirious, and they set the, the, the document there for him to sign that would let him be out of jail and go home to his family and, and preach. He said, if I put my arm out there to begin to sign that, would you take your sword and cut my arm off? Don't let me do it in delirium. He was willing to suffer the consequences to stand for what was right and did so with a great spirit. Folks, let us stand true and faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let what we believe and what we stand for be soundly determined by the word of God. And then let our spirit and the way we stand bring glory to God. And ready to face or endure whatever consequences may come. May our God be glorified. Father, we come to you this morning. And, and, and Lord, I needed this. I think we needed this. We, we have some godly people that want to influence the government. And Father, they're facing the hostility from, from evil people. And Lord, that can get kind of heavy. Father, that can become a bit weary. And Lord, I just want to encourage them. I just want to strengthen them. I just want to uphold them in their relationship with you. To keep on being faithful as you have called. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are...
Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, 
then continue with the word T and then the word club. The complete website is TehuboTeaClub.com or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-610-8088, TehuboTeaClub.com. As the economy tightens, retailers are getting their products in front of thousands of new customers every month. The P.E. Gun Show is a whole family event featuring toys, craft items, food, survival and hunting accessories. Every show is loaded with potential buyers looking for your products. For table rental information, contact PEShows.com or call them at 970-663-9101. The new 90,000-square-foot Premier Events Expo Center, located at the Greeley Mall off Highway 34, is the perfect indoor space to plan your next event. Weddings, graduations, concerts, or fairs, this space can accommodate. For leasing information, contact PEShows.com or call them at 970-663-9101. That's PEShows.com, 970-663-9101. The tree farm near Longmont has been family-owned and cared for since 1980 and is now hiring. Join the tree farm's employment team and get competitive pay, health insurance, and employee discounts. Now hiring full-time and weekend cashiers and salespeople. Apply online at thetreefarm.com or in person. The tree farm near Longmont is now hiring. Come see. You take I-25 to exit 235, then five miles west to the tree farm. Hi, my name is Sam Cheshire. My wife Lisa and I own Build Design America in Longmont, Colorado. We've been in business for over 30 years, offering full-service flooring to Northern Colorado. A few years ago, we started into Kiva Studios. We offer full-service kitchen and bath remodeling, along with a design service. We're located in Longmont at 665 Frontage Road. Our phone number is 303-772-1202. And we also offer free design services. So give us a call, 303-772-1202. This is Mark Call, host of the Come Out of Her My People show here on the Roar of the Rockies. Tune in to discover why, whether it's the law of the land or scripture, what you've probably heard it says is not what is written. It's time to come out of all of that. Hello, friends. This is Bradley Dean, show host for the Sons of Liberty. Join me on KHNC 1360 AM every weekday at 8 p.m., Saturdays at 5 to 7 p.m., and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. 